Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are The last seven weeks, we've had several pastors and speakers speak to us, and I'll go in a quick summary of each of them what actually spoke. We had Pastor Rafi to start off off with with our speakers, our guest speakers, and he spoke on how the Lord places and prepares you, or better yet, he anticipates you for what is to come, either good or bad. The Lord, through this whole process, never leaving you by your side. We had Pastor Max the following week afterwards, and he spoke on 2 Kings chapter 4, and the story on the widow whose husband had debt left behind, and after he passed away, she had to find a way to be able to rescue her children because they were about to be taken away. And with that, Pastor Max spoke on how Elisha commanded her to seek out the jars for them to be filled with oil, and she's able to sell these jars with oil to be able to provide not only for her family, but for the legacies that go, generations that go after her. So she ran out of the jars and the oil stopped. And Pastor Max challenged us to be like the jars, to be ready, to be filled, and to allow God to continue to fill us up with his spirit. Pastor Leo came afterwards, and he spoke on Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 32. And he focused on Jesus telling the disciples to cross the lake. And we've seen this story before so many times. He entrusted Peter, and trusting on the Lord, he decides to walk on the water. But what happened to Peter? He starts falling into the water. But we see in this story, and it's amazing how Leo illustrated it, is that Jesus was right there next to him. He grabs Peter onto him, and they both continued walking on the water. And so many times I myself even like missed that opportunity where you see that Peter is still walking on water, but who's next to him? It's Jesus next to him. Omar spoke on James 3, and I know this, this challenged us. It's about taming our tongue. So many of us use our, stung, our tongue to be a vessel to bless others, but some of us actually use our tongue as a weapon. Our tongue is a very powerful weapon that we have. And then we had the privilege of having Pastor Jameson Reed, Reader speak with us and speak about a life-altering event that happened in his, in his life. His son, amid, amid of a shark attack, actually looks up and tells his family to say, to proclaim, he continued to proclaim the name of Jesus in the midst of being half his leg being ripped apart and stating that by the faith of him of having a, of a child, he would exhort strength and peace by stating that it would all turn out for the glory of God. And we were witness, we were one of the first churches to witness that testimony that his father, being a pastor, continued to preach the gospel onto others despite his son missing half of his leg. And finally, Pastor Rigo shared four points of what he has been able to observe of what's been happening in the last seven weeks prior. He shared on, on how all of this is possible because only God, because all this belongs to the Lord. And we recognize that today. And what I love that all of these pastors and speakers have actually shared with us is that at the end of it, we share the gospel. And for those of you who don't know the, the, the gospel, today I'll have the honor of sharing a little bit of what the gospel is. And I'm doing it. I'm flipping this script this morning. I'm actually going to share the gospel first. So a year ago, I was able to share a message titled My Only Message. And in that message, I shared three specific points that I believe we can all relate to. And the point number one that I made was that I'm a mess. I spoke on Romans 5.12, which it says, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. 
I said it to myself, and I hope you guys don't get offended. I said I'm a mess, but this scripture says we are all messes. So we are all sinful. And if this information is new to you, you can read it within Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 24. And I won't read it to you. I'll give you a quick summary. But this is a story of the fall of man. We see that, getting, that Adam gave in to the wishes of his wife and allowed his family and those of us afterwards to deal with the knowledge of good and evil. Bless you. Before, <laughs> before this event, Adam and Eve were living in the Garden of Eden. But because Adam did not lead his wife and say no to her and gave in to temptation, now as humanity, we deal with this sinful nature. And why do we put this weight on Adam? It's because God created Adam first. Ladies, we are not taken away from what your position are in our lives. But Adam, but Adam is being called by the Lord. And we see that in verse 9 in, in Genesis chapter 3 that says, Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He didn't say, Where are you, Adam and Eve? He called out Adam and said, Where are you? And so my desire on sharing this point was to show you that none of us are righteous. None of us are good. We are all, and excuse me for saying it, we're a bunch of messes. So Romans 3.10, it says, At it is written that there is none righteous, no, not one. And I know for those of you hearing this for the first time, it may sound like, like offensive, but this is what leads to my point number two. I stated that I needed a message, and we all need a message because I'm a mess. And if this is the first time you hear this message, this is a message that we like to call the good news. This is a message for all eternity. The message that can be beautifully summed up in these verses, and you guys have probably heard athletes share it, actors and people share it on when they're up getting their awards, but this is crucial to what we believe in, and it's in John 3:16, verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If this is the first time you hear this message, you may be asking, who is this begotten son? Who is this, this person that we're talking about here? I'll tell you who it is. His name is Jesus Christ. But who is he, you say? Because that could just be a name to you. And here are some verses that prove to, to who he is. He is the son of God. He is equal with God. And he has the authority from the father. In John chapter 10, verses 27 and 38, and I'll read it, and it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I gave them eternal life, and they shall now perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up the stones to stone them, and Jesus answered, Many good works I have shown you. I just lost myself here. Many good works I have shown you from my Father, for which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you being a man, make yourself God. So Jesus answered, It is not written in your law, I said, that you are God's, Lord Jesus. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him when the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know, and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. And these are the things that Jesus is proving to be the Son of God. 
But the word of God is so beautiful that it further proves that he is the son of God. For Jesus was a sinless man and is one with the Father. And we see this in Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 15. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That is crucial to our faith, yet without sin. Since Christ didn't sin, God was able to accept his sacrifice. If Christ had sinned, his death would not have been sufficient to pay the penalty for the sins of the world. And you can, see, you can find that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And a created being, which Jesus would be if he were not God, could not pay the infinite penalty required for sin against an infinite God. I'll read that again. A created being, which probably is you and I, which Jesus would be if he were not God, could not pay the infinite penalty required for sin against an infinite God. Only God could pay such an infinite penalty. And only God can take on the sins of this world. And you can find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Only God can die and be resurrected, proving his victory over sin and death. The life of Jesus and the sacrifice that Jesus made that and the life of Jesus and the sacrifice that Jesus made that possible. A sinless man was put to slaughter to break apart our sinful nature and to, be allow, and to allow us to be called his. And so if you have never heard this message before, this is the message of the gospel, the good news concerning Christ and the way of salvation. The message of the gospel is very simple. And I love the word of God because it can be very simple or we can be very uh, complicated with the ways that we share the gospel, right? I love when I see atheists that are searching and, and, and determining if the gospel is a true thing, and in their very bright minds, they're able to break it down in a way that it makes sense. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel, that it speaks to all, not just to a set of group of people. And as men, we fall into sinful nature, but God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. This is a simple message of the gospel, that whoever believes in Christ should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is, not message, it is not a message of condemning you, but it is a message to save you. And this led me to point number three last year, and it's for us to be a messenger. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, you guys probably have heard this before if you've been in, in our church for a while and other churches before, we are commanded to do something. Once we recognize that we are a mess and we recognize that we need a message, we are recognized that we become a messenger. And in this verse, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So as we know that we are messes and we know that we, that we need a message, I want to ask you guys this morning, why is that so many of us are not precisely doing that? Why do we stop on just receiving this message? Why do we come with a repentant spirit and a repentant heart, but then we, don't, we stop on not sharing the good news to others? Why have we fallen short on the calling that the Lord has placed over our lives? We see here that Matthew 28 deliberately states, Go, therefore, and make disciples. 
why, why is it that we stop? And so when Pastor Rigo asked me about two months ago to share, I was challenged because I was like, what do I share? It's, it's always challenging to what to share. And I don't know how pastors do this every single Sunday. But I remember I, I have times with the Lord when I'm going to work and sometimes I share songs with the worship or leadership teams that those are just moments I have on my drive to work. And I remember just being overwhelmed with joy one morning. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. But not to say why, Lord, but I was challenged to say, like, I want to know why am I being overwhelmed right now with joy? And the Lord placed the word shame in my heart. It's kind of contradictory, and I'm joyful, and then I'm having the word shame, right? But because he placed that, shame, he placed that word shame over my heart, I continue to think through, and it's because he's giving me joy because I'm no longer carrying a life of shame. And some of us have come to understand that we are a mess that need a message, but then we stop right there because we don't become a messenger, and it's because of shame. Part of it is because we believe that because we make mistakes along the way, we buy into the lies of the devils once again. Yes, we are a church that we do not hold back on calling out the enemy. There is an enemy that's out there. And since we received this message of the, cost of the gospel, if you notice, your problems don't miraculously go away. Can I, can I get an amen for that? Your problems don't go away. For some of you, as you guys are hearing this message today, you may have an experience and you may receive the gospel and you have a repentant heart, understanding that there is change. And so the rest of the day will go pretty smoothly for the rest of your Sunday. You'll go back home, you'll have your lunch, you'll be with your families, but then tomorrow morning wakes up. And what do we share during huddle? The moment we go into Miami traffic. A lot of our testimonies go out the window where we're in that Miami traffic. But it's traffic, so we kind of have a little bit of grace and mercy on that, right? We get to work, and then a coworker says something in the wrong way. Or boss talks to you as if you're subordinate. Or you get home, and you're tired from a long day of work, and your family is coming up to you, and they want your attention. For those of you single, you guys have the liberty of just doing whatever you guys want at that point, but you still are carried on with the mistakes you carried on to the, uh, of the day. But what happens that I see is that these mistakes start piling up, and you start thinking that you're not good enough to be able to share this gospel. But, now more than, but what happens now, the difference that happened from tomorrow and what happened on Friday was that because you have the gospel, something called conviction enters into your heart. You recognize that by you flipping the bird to that, to that driver next to you or speaking mean to that person in, the, in your job is not a representation of the gospel you received on Sunday. You start thinking, now I have to represent something higher that's being called upon my life. Now I have to be something different. But even then, we start to feel that we're not good enough to share the good news because we continue to allow something called shame to overwhelm us. Now more than ever, your eyes are open to the truth. And that truth is that now we have accepted the gospel and we are now placed under the protection of our Father. This doesn't mean the war against you doesn't continue to rage on. We are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. And we read it in Hebrews that our battles are not against flesh, but it's against, against evils and principalities. On a daily, the devil will continue to, to do his best to trip you up, to make you fail, to make you believe that you are not worthy of this gift of salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter urges believers to resist the devil. And it says here in verse 8, it states, Be sober, 
Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And I want to highlight this part here. It says, the devil walks about like a roaring lion. I like that portion where it says, like a roaring lion. Because that means that he isn't a lion at all. He's just walking around like a roaring lion. So many of us give this authority and this power over Satan that he doesn't have. He imitates what Christ is. Because you know who the lion is? The lion is Jesus. He is the lion of Judah. And we read that in Revelations 5.5. One of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to, prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seeds. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, not Satan. So I circle back to my recent statement. Some of us are walking around with shame and haven't let it go. And through Christ, I hope that you, you hear the, God speaking to you this morning and saying, let it go. Do not let shame hold you back. I started today's preaching talking about the gospel with a purpose, and it was to remind you that you were purchased at a high price, at a high cost. It was to remind you that the gospel eliminates all shame and that there is nothing you can do to take away from being in the presence of the Lord. In Romans 5, verses 6 to 8, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good man someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, I, and, and one of our brothers here in the church, he's been posting this on the social media, and it's amazing. We had a conversation earlier this week. I was like, I'm, I just want to question, why is it that you keep sharing this? Not for nothing. And he shares with me, it's like, it's just a daily reminder for all of us. So many of us think that we need to work for our salvation, but that's not what the gospel teaches us. The gospel teaches us that it is a gift. What is a gift? A gift is something that you get undeserving, or you just get it. You just receive it. And this is the gift of salvation. There's a story that Luke tells, that um, the book of Luke tells, that begins with a problem. And it's found in chapter 5, and it's a book, and it's a story about a man that was full of leprosy. Back in the days in Leviticus, in, 13, in chapter 13, verse 45, it speaks about how lepers were to tear their clothes and let their, hang, their hair hang loose and to cover their upper lip or mustache. They were to typically, these were typically, typically the actions of mourners at, at funerals. Lepers were instructed to act like funeral mourners because they were mourning their own condition, which was kind of a living death. Ritually unclean, they were required to stay outside the camp, cut off from the community, and from God's holy presence in the tabernacle. I read that, and it kind of sounds like what we were doing about two years ago, right? We were cut away from our communities. We were cut away from even touching each other. We were cut away from just even seeing each other in person. We were told to keep a six-foot distance from each other, right? And I'm not docking that right now, but this is what it sounds like. But in these times, this was even worse you couldn't even be part of the same building, of the same community. You were cast out, like leprosy, you were just cast out of the community. You were treated as if you were dead. You were a zombie, in other words, right? You couldn't be around people. In Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 13, it says that, And it happened 
that when he was in a certain city, that behold, a man was full of leprosy, saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, we see here the leprous man who came to Jesus couldn't have any physical contact with others because doing so will make them unclean. Can you imagine the shame he felt? Is that someone now here today feeling that same way as a leprous man? We see here that the leprous man didn't deny his condition. That's something that sometimes we don't recognize. Sometimes we don't recognize that we are full of sin. And this is a beautiful thing about the gospel, that when we're faced with the truth, we look ourselves at the mirrors and we see, wow, I am sinful. But again, the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it's not a condemning message. It's one that we can go and receive as a gift of salvation. In verse 12, we see him coming to Jesus in humility and desperate need. Have you ever been in a position where you just need help? You've done everything in your power to go and receive that help, but there's nothing, there's nothing left. In this man's life, he's cut away. He has no job. He can't be with his family. He can't be with his children, maybe, if he had children. He just can't even unite with anyone. There is no Zoom to be able to part of, be a virtual community at those times. He's just cast away. I start to wonder, how does he eat? How does he drink water? How does he even have a shelter? Because in those times, whatever this man touched was deemed unclean. So imagine how deep it was that he just couldn't be part of anyone else. And, and he knows that he cannot do it on his own, and he humbly puts himself in front of Jesus. So we see the leprous man knows and understands his condition. But he sees Jesus, and he's like, you know what? This is my opportunity. If this is the Son of God, this is my opportunity to be brought back into community. It's a big risk from the leprous man. But what other choice does he have? This is the hardest step for some of us, simply coming to Jesus. This is where the battle of the mind and the spirit happens. And we may fear being ignored, rejected, or even scorned. You know, I, I speak at times about my, my wife to others and, and our marriage, and I, I read that, and one of the beautiful things that I have a privilege of being a husband is that the Bible talks about how we, the church, are the bride of the groom, and that groom being Christ. Me being the husband and my wife being that church, we get to love on each other. And there's good seasons and there's bad seasons. And there's times that I have to come to my wife or vice versa. She has to come to me about deep things that we're dealing with. And within a marriage, it's still a work in progress, right? Because none of us are God, but we are examples of God to one another. We've come to a point in our marriage that we are able to come to each other and speak openly without being ignored, without being rejected, and without even being scorned. I have that privilege, and I understand that a lot of marriages are still getting to that, and we are still going to continue to go through seasons of that. But here we have Jesus, the Son of God, who is God, telling you, do not feel ignored, do not feel rejected, do not even feel scorned. In verse 13, we see that he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately, the leprosy left him. In verse 13, we see that Jesus is willing and more than capable of healing the leper man. In fact, I love how Jesus does things. He flips the scripts on anyone. He actually goes up to the man and he touches him. We see that Jesus can do miracles by just entering the room. We see that Jesus can just do miracles by saying, you are healed. 
But what does Jesus do in this story? He actually goes and touches the man. He goes further than what others want to see. We know that Jesus isn't supposed to. He isn't supposed to touch the man. We see that touching an unclean person renders you unclean. But we also know he doesn't need to. He would heal others, with, like I said, with just a word. So if he's not supposed to and he doesn't need to, why does he do it? The human touch is powerful. I spoke about it just recently that COVID led us to not touch each other. One of the challenges I felt here is, and, and, and with all due respect, I'll speak about him this morning, is, is, our, is our father senior here in the, in the church, right? One of the challenges we had here was to be able to come into the church and not give that man a kiss, and a, cheek, a kiss on the cheek and a hug was difficult because that powerful touch, that contact of one another is what we were, we were breathed into. We desire that human touch. And here, Jesus does exactly that. Remember what I said about the leprous man? He was cut away from community. When was the last time anyone has even said a word to him or even touched him? And here comes Jesus, and he comes and he just touches him and places him. And if we are created as the image of God, and if, he, if Jesus was anything like senior is, I'm sure he didn't just tap him. He didn't just do one of these. You know, I'm sure he touched a man and he held them and told them that I'm more willing to be cleansed. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He, he likes to flip the scripts on, on, those, on, on, on us, right? By touching the leopard, Jesus welcomes him back into contact and community in a way he'll never forget. Jesus also speaks to the man. He says, I am willing. He I am willing and that he wants to cleanse him. He says, be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. When Jesus touches the man, Jesus doesn't become unclean. Instead, the man becomes clean. And I'll say that again. Jesus doesn't become unclean. The man becomes clean. I say this story for you to see that it doesn't matter what you keep carrying with you today. The Lord is a gracious Lord. He is more than willing to take your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins and forgive you if you confess it. I'm here to remind you that the Lord has made you into a messenger of the good news. You are worthy of the good news and worthy to share the good news. The Lord isn't looking for perfect men and women. He is looking for those who obey him, to love his word, and to strive for righteousness. Perfection isn't something we would accomplish, but we will strive to honor and glorify him. That is what he is looking for. This morning, I want to tell you, do not allow your past, present, and future sins strip you from the blessings of the Lord. I don't know what you are struggling with today. I don't know what you've been carrying for many years. Some of you may be carrying shame on things that you have done before or you're currently involved with right now. Some of these things may be pornography. The last time I was here, I spoke a little bit of my struggle with pornography in the past, and that's something that, that shame kept hovering over my mind and my heart. And it stopped me from doing exactly what I'm doing this morning, and it's to share the gospel down to you guys. You guys have that liberty now and that freedom to do so if you let go of that shame. If you're dealing with pornography this morning, it's okay. The Lord is there with you. 
to release that shame off of you and that that can be broken from you as well. Some of you are dealing with drug use. There's an epidemic. It's not COVID. It's actually the drug use of, of different pharmaceutical drugs that are happening right now. There's low degrees of drugs in our, in our hospital systems and we're trying to, to, to bring them up a part of our systems again, but it's because people are abusing drugs. And why is this happening? Because there's a large number of people with depression, with anxiety, with stress, and they're just getting involved with drugs. But what is the flip side to that? People are getting addicted to these drugs. They wake up every morning and they take a pill and they take not just one, but several pills and they feel that they can't move forward without these prescription drugs. And that becomes an addiction in itself. And if you're dealing that with this morning, I'm here to tell you, let it go. You don't need those drugs because the Lord is here to take that shame away from you. We have, as a church, we've aligned ourselves with an organization called Love Life. And as a church, we stand for the voiceless. We, we stand for those children that are, that are in the bellies of these, of these wombs. And we stand for, for babies that cannot speak for themselves. But there's some of you today, and those of you that are listening, that have a shame of abortion. Maybe you've done it in the past before. Maybe you know someone that's done it. Or maybe you just took someone to one of these clinics. And it's okay. The Lord is not condemning you. What did I say in John 3, 16, 17? This is a message to not condemn you. This is a message to liberate you, to bring freedom upon you. Some of you have gone through a divorce. And I, I can't imagine how difficult that is. You guys carry this weight thinking that it was all your fault. It does take two to tangle. And there is some responsibility on your end. But even then, the Lord is so gracious and so merciful to tell you not to carry that shame of divorce upon you. The Lord wants to let you know that although your first marriage didn't work or your second marriage didn't work or your third marriage didn't work, He is still more than willing to be with you and you still have a voice to share this gospel. Some of you are ashamed of not living up to the world, what the world says. I'm in my mid-30s and I still haven't bought a house. I don't have children. I'm still growing in my career. And if I compare myself in social media, I'm a failure. And so being in my mid-30s and stating these facts for others, I may look like a failure and I may carry that shame with me. But this morning I tell you I don't because I'm going at the pace that the Lord wants me to go. But some of you guys are not married and you're probably in your late 30s, early 40s. I'm here to tell you it's okay. The Lord is creating the perfect mate. And perhaps you become someone that doesn't need to get married because your calling is so higher that you are there placed to be able to share the gospel onto the world. That not to say marriage backs you down or takes you away from sharing that, but it's because your calling is to go out and therefore preach the gospel and baptizing others. So I'm here to tell you, do not let shame hold you back. This is what shame does. It brings apathy onto you. It brings contentment. It grows in your hearts. But I'm here to tell you this morning, and the title of this message is, You Are Worthy. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. In Luke chapter 12, verses 6 to 7, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? 
and not one of them is forgotten before God. You're not forgotten, guys. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. This is the Lord speaking to you. The Lord created animals, but we are placed at a higher value than animals. Today, this morning, let's put shame to rest and accept the full gift of salvation. That God so loved the world that he came to save it and not condemn it. The Lord has called us to come out of shame and to accept his blessings. This is a season of harvest. And let's not mix up with what I'm trying to say. This is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not stating because you received this message, like I stated earlier, your world is going to change and things are going to be much better. Things may get worse. I'll be honest with you. I've been walking this walk for over 20 years and things, there's good seasons and there's bad seasons. But what doesn't change is that the Lord is by my side and I have to be continuously reminded on the daily that He is by my side, that thinks that there is hope out there in the world. You guys are called to be that voice of hope out there in the world. You guys are called to be the salt, like Pastor Jameson said a couple of weeks ago. You guys are called to be the light post out to the world. Do not let shame strip you away from those blessings. These blessings are called for you. They are for you because we call him Abba for a reason. What does Abba mean? He is our father and you are his children. And as a good father, he has blessings for your life. Do not restrain yourself and believe and be bought into the lies of the enemies because that's not truth to you. These things that you're struggling with, you're going to struggle with it on a daily. That's okay but continuously come to the throne of the Lord and that he may strengthen you on the daily to continue moving forward. Shame will make you apathetic. You know what's the biggest thing that happens at our churches that we've noticed? Is that we come here on a Sunday and that's that. That's part of what shame does to you. You feel you're not good enough to serve. You feel that you need a platform like where I am at to be able to share the gospel and that you need to be good enough and to be perfect and the Lord doesn't want perfect people he wants obedience the Lord is calling you to just let go of that shame and not be apathetic I look at times when, when uh, I see individuals that are, that are apathetic and there's so much potential and it's because they don't buy into, the, into what the Lord has called them for their lives and they're allowing this shame this, this sin that they're hiding from others and not being open to the Lord to have a repentance heart to be able to be liberated to get them out of that contentment and that, and that apathy the Lord is here to tell you for us to call to fight back what's amazing is that we have the Lion of Judah next to us right we don't have to do it by ourselves he calls us to take what's ours violently we think that violence is a bad thing, but the Lord is just giving us that authority to take our blessings violently. Take what's yours. If your father's telling you that that is yours, take it. You don't have to hesitate. Do not let shame hold you back. Take what's yours. This is a war that we are in, and we know the ending. As much as, uh, uh, as, much as Satan thinks he's going to change what's out there, we already know the ending in Revelations. We know that the new Jerusalem is going to come, the new heaven is going to come, and we are going to reign all eternity with God. I have this last thing to share, and this was a testimony that one of the pastors that I like, that I like to listen to and, and, and follow 
he posted this testimony. This is not anyone from here, anyone that we know. And I actually sent him a message telling him, can I share this with my preaching? Because I thought this was, this was fitting to what I'm sharing today. And it reads, this is, a, I think, I believe it was a girl. And, and she says, this is my testimony. I spent years on three hours of sleep, punished for every little mistake, and trying my hardest to do what was right and be a good person, only to end up still being in the wrong, getting punished and being miserable. Sounds like anyone? I tried to have enough faith to make things happen and not say the wrong things that would ruin everything. I've been there. I tried to do enough to do more, to be more, to be better, do better. I worked hard, was proud of it, then broken and ashamed when it wasn't enough. But God saved me with his mercy. He drew me to his presence and healed my heart, my mind, and delivered my soul. You see, religion makes it hard. It makes you spend all of your time and energy trying to do everything right and still not be good enough. His presence makes it easy. I don't have to grind 12, 20 hours a day to make his will happen. I don't have to recite 100 confessions or get touched by a great prophet to be healed. I don't have to spend my entire life and savings on a therapist to be free. I don't have to attend every single church event this year to find deliverance. Pastor, I know you kind of cringe on that portion, but we don't. We have these church events for us to be able to be in community, but that doesn't give us deliverance. We don't have to be approved by the crowd or controlling leader to be approved by God. We don't have to be a preacher or work for a ministry to make God proud of me. Our ministries are out there. Our ministries are called our homes. Our ministries are called our, work, our workplaces. Our ministries are called our friends even within this church. Those are your ministries. We like to say this a lot in Nest that we are all leaders. And for some it may be challenging. And it's because we've accepted the gospel. I don't have to be perfect for God and move to move in and through me. I said that in, in a verse earlier in Romans 5. There's nothing you can do to gain that salvation. It is a gift unto you. It's a gift for us all. God's mercy sees my heart when my mouth uses the wrong word. His mercy leads me to rest when my flesh wants to toil. His mercy approves of me with his presence when idols disapprove. His mercy speaks truth in the middle of my mind trying to believe lies. His mercy saves me and invites me into his presence every single time. His presence is where I hear him, often feel him, and find evidence of his power at work. It's where the weight of life falls off and weight of his love settles in. It's where I find peace in the midst of craziness and my soul is soothed from the searing of painful situations. It's where I find hope in hopeless situations. It's where I find wisdom and direction when there are too many or seemingly no solutions. His presence is where I find that all I need and all that I've wanted. It's where I met God and found him to be real. It's where the things that have made life hard and miserable melt away and become easy and purposeful. Religion makes it hard. His presence 
makes it easy. This morning, I just wanted you guys to be reminded that we are entering into a time of thanksgiving. We are going to our families this week. And for those of us that are getting united with our families, take the opportunity to share the good news that you have received. You will trip up. But what we desire to hear when we get to heaven is good and faithful servants. You have ran the race. In a race, people stumble. In a race, people trip. In a race, things happen that we have no control over. The important thing is to finish the race and do it well. This morning, I pray that shame is not lingering in your hearts. It's not lingering in your minds. That you let it go. You don't have to work to be perfect. You don't have to work for the salvation. This is a gift onto you all, onto myself. This is a daily reminder that yes, today I may not be perfect and tomorrow will not be perfect, but my desire and my heart is to glorify and honor the Lord. So I thank you guys for listening this morning. I know I went pretty fast, <laughs> but thank you guys. So let's... Let's close out in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for every single person here this morning, Lord Father. We thank you for each of our hearts, Lord Father, that are here, Lord Father. We pray, Lord Father, that this message of shame, Lord Father. We pray, Lord Father, that is, if there's anyone that is carrying shame, Lord Father, due to their past or present or future sins, Lord Father, I pray, Lord Father, that those things are ripped apart at this moment, Lord Father, and that they receive the power of your love. They receive the power of your salvation, Lord Father. They receive this message, Lord Father, that your gospel, Lord Father, your message is not a condemning message, Lord Father. I pray for freedom at this time, Lord Father. Freedom for these bold voices, Lord Father, that we need them in this world, Lord Father, that there are so many things that are speaking out there, Lord Father, and not enough salt out there like Pastor Jameson said a couple of weeks, Lord Father. Let us be that salt. Let us be those light poles. Let us be, Lord Father, the, the beaming hope out there, Lord Father, because what we have inside of us is you, Lord Father, is greater than anything that is happening in this world, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord Father, for this morning, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord Father, that we're coming up to Thanksgiving, Lord Father, and because of that, Lord Father, we are thankful above all things for giving us salvation, Lord Father. We thank you for coming here to be a sinless man, to die and to resurrect in three days and to flip the script on anyone before you, Lord Father, stating that I am here to give salvation, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and to the rest of the world. You, Lord, are our Lord and Savior, Lord Father, and we thank you for what you have done for us, Lord Father. We put all of these things in the name above all name, which is Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.